بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد continuing with the discussion of the reformation of character kitab by arif billah hazrat mullah shah hakim mudakhtar sahab rahmatullah alay the topic here at the moment is inappropriate anger and its cure there are numerous topics in this book <coughs> time is limited we already perhaps on the second last day so this is an important topic for us to always bear in mind so therefore we are discussing this topic at the moment inappropriate anger and its cure in anger the intellect does not remain sound and one is unable to think of the consequences anger is a fire and when this fire rises then it now blocks a person's ability to think correctly in a situation where there's a fire person can't fully focus so this too is a fire within so if it becomes very intense the intellect does not remain sound and one is unable to think of the consequences for this reason unbefitting words escape from the mouth and oppression and excesses are committed by the hands at times in a rage of anger a person utters three divorces and then is forced to cry for the rest of his life sometimes in a fit of anger a person hits wildly without thinking killing the other person and thus destroys homes and families for generations to come the hadith states anger is from shaitan and shaitan has been created from fire the cure for fire is water thus when anger comes make wudu now these are all prescriptions of the hadith sharif these are one is that a person uh ask somebody for some advice they'll give him some prescription so all that is in his place too but what can be greater than the prescriptions that nabi sallallahu himself has given they cannot be anything greater they cannot be anything close to it so the issue is that a person has to keep control of himself at that moment and do what is required to be done so there are various stages this is one of the aspects that a person becoming angry this is what nabi sallallahu is prescribing here that the cure for fire shit uh, anger is from shaitan and shaitan has been created from fire the cure for fire is water thus when anger comes make wudu the cure for anger is that one should move away from the one who has angered him if he does not move away then one should himself move away then think that even though this person has wronged me taken my right and disobeyed me day and night we con- nevertheless day and night we continue disobeying allah taala so much more and are negligent in fulfilling his rights in spite of this allah taala does not snatch away his bounties and favors from us just as we desire that allah taala should forgive our sins similarly we should desire to forgive the sins of allah taala's servants we also are all the time making some mistake or the other every now and again if allah taala had to take us to task for everything that 
every mistake we made immediately on the spot or if not on the spot immediately later also if everything we had to be taken to task in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says وَلَوْ يُعَاخِذُ اللَّهُ النَّاسَ بِمَا كَسَبُوا مَا تَرَكَ عَلَى ظَهْرِهَا مِنْ Allah Ta'ala had to take every human being to task for everything he did nobody would exist because the punishment would then come and everybody would be gone because there's so much that we err, make mistakes, so many wrongs, so many sins. But Allah Ta'ala forgives numerous sins. And Allah Ta'ala gives respite, ample respite. If a person looks within himself, considers that forget about the past 10 years and past 20 years. If just in the past few months, maybe weeks, Okay, the month of Ramadan becomes, we become very much more conscious of many things. But even that too is something that if we really consider, we might find many deficiencies. But just prior to that, in the few weeks prior to Ramadan, for example, if we take a stock of all the things that we slipped up in, we crossed the line, we harbored something in our hearts against somebody, something might have slipped our tongues, our eyes, what other things might have gone past where we overstepped the bounds, how we fulfilled our salah, how we fulfilled our other righteous actions, if only that much for the past few weeks, if only that much we take to account, and if Allah Ta'ala had to take us to task for it, we won't be existing, we'll be gone. But Allah Ta'ala's respite, Allah Ta'ala's clemency, His mercy, His respite, He gives us ample chance. So Allah Ta'ala is treating us with such amount of clemency, giving us such great respite. But we want to take people to task on the spot. We are so much in fault in terms of the commands of Allah Ta'ala. But people mustn't trample our toes in any way. People mustn't cross our line in any way. We crossing the line of Allah Ta'ala all the time. But dare anybody cross our line. And our line is often, very often, the line of our ego. Very often, not always, but very often, people have crossed the line of our ego. That's all. But this is where this whole issue comes, that this anger stems from pride. This uncontrolled anger. This anger on trivial things. This anger where it should not be vented. This stems from pride. And to the extent that a person has made an effort to rectify this and change that pride to humility, to that extent this anger comes under control. The Shah Ismail Shaheed was a very great personality. He was known as somebody very, very uh, quick-tempered. That is what he was known to be, a very quick-tempered person. Because if somebody did something, then he would take the person to task very quickly. But this was confined to things where somebody crossed the line of deen. So his fervor of deen was such that he couldn't just see something happening against the command of Allah Ta'ala and allow it to just pass. So in any case, this was his common trait that if somebody did something out of line in terms of deen, he immediately rectified it. Now there are various 
everybody is not of the same caliber, same position, same status. So it's not for everybody to emulate that pattern that is for somebody of that position, that status. He will say to somebody on the spot and that person will digest it also. That person will take it well. It's the ikhlas of these people, their sincerity, that despite sometimes they say something in a bit of a harsh manner to somebody, but because of their position, their status, their ikhlas, that too is digested well. But that's not for everyone to emulate that manner of on the spot, anyone and everyone, we're just telling them anything. We have to deal with ud'u ila sabili rabbika bil hikmah wal mau'izatil hasana wajadilhum billatihi ahsan. We have to use that hikmah, that wisdom, and in a diplomatic manner, in a good manner. Diplomacy here doesn't refer to the diplomacy that, as somebody defined that diplomacy, that it is the manner of telling somebody, well, this is how somebody defined it, the manner of telling somebody to go to hell in a way he looks forward to the trip. So this is not that diplomacy. It means in a way that it is the, it doesn't unnecessarily uh, hurt somebody. You're saying it in a way that is appropriate, in a way that is compassionate. So in any case, that is how we should be going about things. But in any case, Shah Ismail Shahid Rahmatullahi we're talking about, that he was known to be a person, as they say, very jalali. He would very quickly become upset if something went wrong. One day he is giving a talk in the Jami Masjid of Delhi. Jami Masjid of Delhi is a masjid, very huge masjid. On a Juma, on other occasions probably it can accommodate. The capacity might be, Allah knows best, 40-50,000. That's how big the masjid is. So any case he is giving a talk, he is addressing a huge gathering in the Jami Masjid of Delhi. One person stands up in the midst of that gathering. And he says to him that, I have heard that you are an illegitimate person. Can we imagine the situation? We talk about somebody provoked us. Can there be more severe provocation than this? That in a huge gathering, in a masjid, person who is highly respected by everybody, person who is a great alim of the time, among the very senior ulama of the time, and a person who all the things that require respect of somebody, all that is in him, his service to the people, whatever else. And now in the midst of a gathering, where he is addressing the gathering, and he is telling him such a, something of this nature that provokes a person to the extreme. And now we just mentioned earlier, that this was what he was known to be a person of a quick temper. So what should have been the reaction here? If he was a person of a quick temper, and if that temper was, or that anger was, stemming from pride, then this should have been a situation where he would have rushed at that fellow, and perhaps before anybody tried to do anything, that person would have been killed. This is a provocation of a very extreme level. And now in the midst of the gathering, this is what he's saying, that I've heard that you are an illegitimate person. So Shah Ismail Shahid Rahmatullahi, the tone at which he was talking and giving the talk, like for example now, we are talking now, so there's a certain tone, certain level, his tone didn't change. And in a very calm way, he addressed the person and said to him, look, you are mistaken, the witnesses to the nikah of my parents are still alive. There are se- several people still alive, some are living in this place, some are living in that place, 
you may go and verify it for yourself. And he said this much and continued with the talk like nothing happened. Now, this was the clear evidence that his anger, when, he, when it used to display itself, was purely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Because that too is a requirement, غَضَبْ That when something happens against the commands of Allah Ta'ala, then the dictates of Iman is that it should make a person upset. He can't be feeling nothing about it. Allah Ta'ala's law is being trampled and nothing happened to him. Then what respect he's got for the law of Allah Ta'ala? Yes, now how to handle it from there, that is a different matter now. That depending what the situation is, what is the position, who is the person, is it something, there are various levels of Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahyan al Munkar and joining the right, forbidding the evil. Some place it would be necessary to say it directly to the person where he has that authority, where he is the, the somebody is under his care, it is his own child, so he has to say it. He will say it in a nice way, but he will say it. Sometimes he might have to say it firmly when he's already corrected it once, twice, he'll have to say it firmly. Sometimes you have to reprimand a little bit, even more firmly and sternly. But there will be some times when you will have to keep quiet also. If by saying something at that time, because the person is unknown to him, the person is, he doesn't know what is going to be the reaction, the person might react in a very negative manner. Marshavali was once traveling by train and there was another person also in the same coach, Muslim person. So the person got talking to him, very, very friendly sort of. So any case now, as the journey went, so this conversation, etc. was happening in a very amicable manner. So as the time came for Salah, so Hazrat said something, or it was Salah or some other aspect. Hazrat advised him also, come, let us go and perform our Salah. Or it was some aspect about his dressing, perhaps, or something Hazrat advised him. Now, outwardly it seemed now that he had become a little uh, receptive, he was talking in a very nice way. So therefore, they advised him. But as soon as he was given this advice, he uttered a statement which was kind of rejection of that amal, which tantamounts to kufr. So he kept quiet, and then later he said to his companions, I have resolved after this incident that till I don't know somebody well, I will not tell him anything directly. Because first this person was involved in the sin, now the statement he made, because now I just advised him of the cuff, and he reacted in this negative manner, that statement he made, from sin he's gone into kufr. Because he's rejected a command of Allah Ta'ala. Or he's belittled something of deen. So what the point here is, that there are various levels, but that ghadab fillah, in principle, is something that's a requirement of deen. That something is going against the command of Allah Ta'ala, he should be feeling something about it. He can't be feeling nothing about it. That's the dictates of the respect for the command of Allah Ta'ala. So, if somebody, his father has sent a letter to him, and now some other person comes and starts tearing the letter apart. So he feel nothing about it. His father wrote a long letter to him, Nowadays everything comes by email and whatever. Previously people used to take the time to surround and nicely write that letter. Now that letter came and filled with so much of affection and love. And now it's a personal letter to him. Somebody comes and starts tearing it. He'll feel nothing about it. 
So the father's letter, he will be very, very hurt that somebody came and tore it. So Allah Ta'ala's letter to his servants, the Quran Sharif, that is Allah Ta'ala's letter to his servants. And the explanation of that letter is the letter that Rasulullah has given to his ummad, his sunnah, his hadith sharif. Now somebody is not tearing the pages, but tearing the essence of it, by trampling on it, breaking it. So if it evokes no feeling, then we really need to check our iman. That it is gone at a very low ebb. Yes, sometimes it might just mean we'll have to keep quiet and carry on, and make dua, and sometimes it might be necessary for us to say something. It might be necessary for us to be able to stop it with our hand where that is possible, where it is somebody under our authority, somebody under our care. So there are various levels and there is a whole detail in it. But the principal issue that that ghadab fillah is something required in deen. Now this was his ghadab fillah. The Shah Ismail Shahid this was his ghadab fillah. But when he came to his personal self, this extreme provocation, it didn't stir him. Not that he felt nothing. But outwardly it stirred him in no way. Why? Because the reality of tawazu and humility was inside. So now on a personal note, he didn't let that affect him in any way. How can this be possible when there is this reality of tawazu? This pride has been annihilated. That couplet of Hazrat that we discussed yesterday, that he came from that position in society and so on, but he came for what? He came and expressed it in that same little couplet. Nahi koi aur khayish tere dar par milaya hu. Mita dije, mita dije, me mit nahi ko aya hu. I have come for no other purpose. I have come to be annihilated. Please annihilate me. Now when a person has been annihilated in that manner, in that sense, that the nafs has been annihilated, now these personal things doesn't mean anything to him. Was invited somewhere to come and give a talk. So, in that community, there were people of different thinking, somewhere on one line of thought, and some on another had different ways about themselves. So, many people were not happy about him being invited to come and give a talk there in that masjid. And many people were very eager about it. So, any case, now when he came and he barely sat on the member, so somebody forwarded a note to him. So now they forwarded this note to him. So he opened the note and he read it. So on the note there were three things written there. The first thing that was written, that tum kafir ho. You are a kafir now, you are a disbeliever. Number two, tum jolahe ho. Now jolaha in India was like a very derogatory term. Nothing derogatory about it in reality. Jolaha used to be a person who used to be a cotton weaver. Now in those days that cotton weaving used to be done manually. It was like a very, very, uh, very basic and very menial task. The person who had nothing else available to do, he would probably get that job. It was just running around from that post back and forth, just getting that cotton in place. So that cotton weaver used to be regarded as a very low job. Now in our time, maybe somebody is called maybe a street sweeper, nothing wrong with the street sweeping, that person earning a halal risk also. But unfortunately people make this like some kind of crime. That person, mashallah, is earning a halal risk sweeping the streets. Allah forbid many a person is involved in so many kind of major sins in terms of how he's earning his, his uh, income, 
but just that he is doing it in a very smart way. So now because he is doing it in a smart way, everybody respects it. Whereas he is defrauding somebody, he is committing so many other crimes in that manner of earning his risk. This person earning halal risk. He is sweeping the streets, he is doing a service to everybody. So there is nothing derogatory about it, but something just, society makes it like that. So it was like swearing a person by calling him a jolaha. And the third thing says, please watch what you speak. Now this note came, so he read the note. First he read it silently. After he read it, so then he addressed the people. He said, look, some note has been forwarded to me. Somebody has written this and sent this note. And there are three things written here. The first thing that is written here, he is addressing me and saying that you are a kafir. So, well, let me all make you all a witness. I am reciting the shahadat now. And he recited the shahadat again. He recited the kalima. And he said, well, now, if anybody had any doubt from before, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala bless me demand from before. But now I've repeated the shahadat in front of everybody. So if anybody had any doubt, Inshallah, they won't have that doubt now. Because you are a witness to my iman now. That's number one. Number two, the story about that you are a cotton weaver, meaning like you're a very low caste person. You are a very, very lowly person. So he said, well, look, I haven't come here for any proposal. That now I'm worried now that somebody now is running me down. Maybe this proposal will get rejected. So now I need to enhance myself and I need to present myself like a very, very high class person. I didn't come here for any proposal. So I don't need to bother about this. Now this was just, just to dismiss this in a little bit of a more light-hearted manner by saying that I didn't come for a proposal. Otherwise, this was something that didn't bother him one bit. You want to say something up to you what you want to say. It doesn't hurt. So he says that you want to say what you want to say, fine. I didn't come here for any proposal, I'm going to be bothered about this. And the third thing, that watch what you speak, say, I didn't come here to speak of my own accord, I was called. So if I'm not required to speak, I won't speak. That's it, no problem. So when he said this, many people in the gathering said, oh, this is somebody just up to some mischief, please ignore this. We have come here to listen to your advice and talk, please go ahead. So he carried on. And this was like never happened now. But now can we imagine again, a person now of that caliber, that position, that status, that respect and honor. And now somebody writes this to him. Somebody is saying these things which are derogatory to him. But he has that heart to just dismiss it and to even make light of it. To even read it out to the gathering. Now if somebody wrote this to us, we'll quietly put it in our pocket. But then now we're looking for the person. Somehow we'll try to find out who this person is. And after we find him, the least is, people say, I gave him a piece of my mind. But then we go on giving people a piece of our mind. We gave one person one piece, another person the second piece, third person the third piece. After one week, half is gone already. Another one week, we're giving some more pieces. When a person dished out all the pieces of his mind, he gets left mindless. He's got no mind of his own now. So now a mindless person, what he'll do and how he'll conduct himself, because he's all the time giving somebody a piece of his mind. So the issue is we keep the pieces for ourselves. We don't give anybody a piece of our mind. So if we keep our mind intact, Inshallah we'll be able to think straight. We'll be able to think correctly. We'll be able to think in a way that is constructive. That is not destructive to ourselves and destructive to others also. So where this stems from again, it stems from this tawazu, from this humility. To the extent that a person has crushed the ego, 
to the extent that a person has annihilated himself. To that extent, he will be able to very easily overcome all this. What does it matter? Somebody said something, somebody did something of this nature where some insult was thrown. There are two parts to this. As we mentioned one of the nights, unfortunately, we always remember that part of deen which pertains to others. So now we remember this part very well. It mustn't take insults personally for who we remember it. We remember it for others who after we insulted them and they became upset, so we'll remind them, look, you mustn't take insults personally. So for that person, we'll remember it. That don't you know about this? You didn't hear about it. They mustn't take insults personally. So if I insulted you, what's in there? That's a major sin to insult somebody. To insult somebody, to be mocking somebody, humiliating somebody, that's a major sin. This stems from jahalat. In the Quran Sharif, there's an incident where Musa salam in the Bani Israel, something happened, one person got murdered. And nobody was able to find out, nobody knew who the person responsible for this was. So now they wanted to find out who's responsible for this. So they came to Musa salam. So Musa salam turned to Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala revealed the instruction to Musa salam that tell these people to slaughter a cow. This is mentioned in the Quran Sharif. إِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تَذْبَحُوا بَقَرًا So now Musa came and told them, Allah Ta'ala commands you, أَن تَذْبَحُوا بَقَرًا That now you slaughter this cow. Now they, Bani Israel, the type of people they were, everything they would now keep unnecessarily now asking 110 things, because now to try and just keep ducking out of whatever the responsibilities are. So, when they heard this instruction, their response was, Atattakhizuna huzua? Are you mocking us? Because now when we're going to go to slaughter this cow, people are going to come to ask what's going on. See, now we're slaughtering this cow. Why are you slaughtering this cow? See, that person died. You want to find out who's the killer. So now they are going to say that where's the link between slaughtering the cow and finding out who's the killer. So they're going to make a joke of us. They're going to mock us. So are you mocking us by giving us such an instruction that we'll become the laughing stock? We'll become clowns in front of everybody? So what is Musa salam's response? قَالَ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ I seek protection of Allah Ta'ala from being among the jahileen, among those who are steeped in ignorance and jahalat. In other words, if I am guilty of mocking, you are asking, أَتَتَّخِذُنَا huzua. Are you mocking? If I am mocking, then it means I am among the jahileen. And I seek Allah Ta'ala's protection from this. Mocking is the job of the jahilin. Mocking is the job of those who have total jahalat. Person who doesn't, who's out of jahalat doesn't mock anyone. He doesn't uh, make all kinds of comments that humiliate somebody, mock somebody, deride somebody, mock somebody on the basis of a person's sometimes color, language, nationality, mock somebody on the basis of his maybe Perhaps he's not able to do something the way you can do it. 
mock somebody because they made a mistake about something. These are all things of jahalat. This is something which total, it's total ignorance. So Musa wasalam, immediately responded that A'udhu billahi an akuna min al This is not something that any person who's out of jahalat does. So this is that very very clear lesson that mocking somebody, insulting somebody, this is a major sin. Once Nabi made tawaf of the Kaaba Sharif and thereafter he addressed the Kaaba Sharif. After making tawaf, he addressed the Kaaba Sharif. How great you are, how great is your honor. After having several other aspects Nabi mentioned, then Nabi asked Abdullah bin Umar that is there anything greater in honor than the Kaaba Sharif? So he expressed his uh, lack of knowing that what can be greater than that. Nabi Islam said, the honor of the heart of a mu'min. The honor of a mu'min. The honor of a mu'min is greater than this. A person deriding a mu'min, insulting a mu'min, somebody has done something wrong, we might have to correct him. Sometimes that correction might require even sometimes some firmness, depending who, what, when all these various issues, it might require some firmness. Sometimes a person might have to be told something very clearly. All depending on the circumstances, what should be said, when it should be said, how it should be said. All these things might become necessary at times. But mocking someone, insulting someone, humiliating someone, this is a major sin. This is like a person demolishing the Kaaba Sharif. Now sometimes we don't realize, let alone elsewhere, within the four walls of our home, the smallest thing happens, we start off with an insult. Something has to be corrected. What has to be corrected? What has to be corrected? Something has to be set right. It'll have to be set right. But the whole process starts off with some insult. It starts off with some deriding comment. It starts off with something that humiliates the person. And humiliates who? Those who are closest to us. Allah forbid, sometimes our own parents. People sometimes talk to their parents in such a way that a person, it is not imaginable that he'll talk to his own children like that. But they talk to their parents in that manner. Our own wives, wives are sometimes talking to the husbands in that way. It starts off with a, with a sometimes very, very hurtful insult. But to think if this was turned around, if I was in the opposite place, if I was in the next person's shoes, would I have appreciated that I be spoken in this manner? These words be directed to me. You are this and you are that. And you can't think. You don't have any brains. Now, if something had to be corrected, what is the need for all these kind of comments? Where does this fit into the equation? Then it means that the Purpose is not to correct something, purpose is just to vent anger. And that anger, just to vent anger, that stems from pride, a lot of pride. That is now our ego, the line of our ego is crossed. Don't cross my line. My line meaning which line? More often than not is my line of my ego. That's the line I've drawn. Don't trample the line of my ego. So now when that ego got, that line of that ego got crossed, then all the alarm bells started ringing. And the whole, like the sprinkler system, 
But that sprinkler, it pours down water. But our sprinkler system, when that, that gets triggered, it just showers down fire. So instead of that sprinkler, it puts out fire. Our sprinklers, that just ignites fire all over the place. Where it stems from? It stems from that pride. And this is something that we need to definitely work on. The many, many remedies of working on this are detailed. But the one remedy we've discussed several times already, and that is the same remedy. Again, this muraqaba sounds like very, very minor, something by the way. But if it's done diligently, it's done regularly, it's done correctly, these muraqabas and meditations are very deep, very effective. The example many times we've taken in the previous days, the watches, even hand wristwatches, clocks, it's all manual, it had to be keyed. There was no battery operated. It had to be keyed. So now that keying process, person keys it, and then it would run for the whole 24 hours. After 24 hours, you have to key it again. Now, many haven't seen that kind of watches anymore. It sounds like such an old time. Sounds like talking about, as they say, when grandfather was young. So, well, many people who are today, who saw it, our grandfathers, and when they were young, they saw it. So that statement is correct in, in, the, in the sense that when grandfather was young. So in any case, that needed to be keyed. And when it needed to be keyed, how long it took to key it? It used to take one minute. One minute's time, the person keys it. Half a minute sometimes. One minute, two was too much. He keyed it for half a minute, keyed it for one minute. Then he used to run for 24 hours. So now, outwardly, it's a very small job. Very small job, half minute job, one minute job, one minute and done. So now if somebody thinks now such a trivial thing, one minute, what is this going to achieve? But it's achieved 24 hours of work. So likewise, this is muraqaba. If it's done correctly, done diligently, done properly and daily, then that two minutes, three minutes of that muraqaba will keep this consciousness, inshallah, for the next 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours. So one of those muraqabas, and initially this needs to be done maybe five times a day, ten times a day, at intervals, to take that one minute, take the two minutes, surround, remind oneself, I am nobody, I am nothing, I am the lowest of every believer. Initially, this will be words on our mouth, on our tongue. Initially, as we sing it, our tongues will be saying it, we'll be saying it to ourselves, but our heart will be rejecting it too. That I don't believe it. Because the heart believes different. But we have to force ourselves to say it. And when we will keep saying it, When this keeps getting repeated on the tongue, it will start settling in the heart. So to force ourselves to say it. To oneself. Don't say it loudly. In fact, don't say it loudly too. Somebody will wonder what's going on. But say it within oneself. That I am nobody. I am nothing. I am the lowest of every believer. Whether I understand that and believe it or not, that's a reality. Every believer is better than me. And especially then, if a person seems to have some issues with particular people, take their name and say, I am lower than that person. That person is better than me. And that's very easy to understand this, that we are feeling something negative about the person based on maybe one thing, two things, three things, five things. So those five things are negative. Indeed, we will not condone the wrong. The wrong is wrong. But apart from these five negatives, ten negatives the person has, 
he might have some such good things in him that with the barakat of that, Allah Ta'ala might forgive him. He might get the tawfiq of tawbah at any time. He might pass away on perfect tawbah. He might tell, turn his life for the better tomorrow. We have no idea. And right now, now it's a scale. So on the one side of the scale are his 100 or oh, one dozen negatives. But on the other side of the scale are his hidden positives which are far weightier than all these negatives. And our situation, mashallah, we have a hundred positives externally. Externally, we have a hundred positives. Very good. That hundred positives are on one side of the scale now. Weighing very nicely. But then put the pride on the other side, it might outweigh all this. Put the arrogance on the other side, it might outweigh all this. Put those insults and that looking down on people on the other side, it might outweigh all this. So now who's better off? At the end of the day, it's which side of the scale is heavier. So now that person also got a problem. He's got many issues. He's got one dozen negatives, maybe 50 negatives also. But the sum total, his good is weightier in the court of Allah Ta'ala. And we are thinking great of ourselves. We are looking down upon others. That alone might put all the negatives far heavier than the positives on our end. So we are in the red. That person is still in good, good ground. So on what basis we are regarding ourselves as better? And now the issue is, we have no idea what is in the next person. What good he has in his heart, we don't know. What is his situation with Allah Ta'ala, we don't know. Yes, whatever he is doing wrong is wrong. We can't condone the wrong. But without condemning the sinner, we will condemn, condemn the sin. We will condemn the sin, not the sinner. So now when this is supposed to be the way, so that advice that we are supposed to be giving somebody, somebody did something wrong. So why should it start with, a, with an insult? What's the need for that? That is only because our ego got crossed. The line of our ego got crossed. So we need to annihilate that nafs. And to the extent that is annihilated, then we will be able to deal with issues for what it's worth. Something deserves a certain level of admonishment, certain level of correction, it will be done accordingly. We will be dealing with the issues, purely with the issues. Not with the personal type part of things. Not with emotions. We will be dealing with what needs to be corrected, we will correct that. It might require some friendly correction, we will do it friendly. It might require some sweet words, we will do it in a sweet manner. It is somebody under authority, we have explained once, twice, five times. Now it requires a stern reprimand, we will give the stern reprimand. If it's some child that requires now to be given some kind of punishment within the limits of Sharia, that punishment will be meted out. But we'll be standing aside from our emotions. It won't be motivated by emotions. It won't be things being blurted on the spur of the moment. And then after that trying to do damage control. But when all this will happen, this is not something just that will happen by wishing for it. It will happen when that ego has been annihilated when that nafs has been crushed, when that tawazu and humility has been inculcated. Now this is a whole process. And this is what people used to go like that couplet. The Khadir Sahib came. He came and put himself there at the feet of the Tanwir Rahmatullah He said, I came only for this. And then he annihilated himself in that manner. As we mentioned, he was a natural poet. And being a natural poet, everything would just suddenly, just anything he sees, he would naturally just say some poem about it. Just compose a poem on the spur of the moment, instantly. 
Now he had come there, he's come like a premier of a province, he's come now to come and sit in one Hanka. So now he's given that uh, consideration as well, but now every now and then he says something. So Tanrahmatullahi is discussing something and that now what was discussed suddenly came into his mind in a poetic form. So he says, some poem just came in my mind about what you just said. He's saying it. Somebody did, did something, he's composing one poem about it. After a while I said to him, look, you've come here for a different purpose now. Now you must not talk until you are, you ask the permission to say something or you are told to say something. Without that you don't say anything. Now he's come from that kind of background where he forever has been the one in giving instructions. He's the one who people are asking for permission all the time. Now the whole table is turned now. So it doesn't happen overnight that everything just comes right. Now something is deep down in a person's nature, there's a process, it will unwind, but provided the correct effort is being made to unwind it. So now he accepted it, yes, this is what I'll do. But now on the spur of the moment, again it slipped out. So now he's being reminded and cautioned that look, you were told, you should not just talk anything. When you are told to talk, then you must talk. He said, no, accepted my mistake, I won't do it again. Then, after some time, again he slipped out. Again he's cautioned. When this happens a few times, he said, look, you've been reminded so many times now. Now we'll have to take a little bit of a more, another step ahead, some little bit of the panados and the antibiotics and the capsules are not working now. Now it'll require an injection now. Now the injection is that one, like a notice, like a small board, you write on it, Khamosh, silence, and you hang it on your neck. Now one big, like a page, small page or whatever, in big writing there, silence, Khamosh. Now when you see, keep seeing this, you'll be conscious of it now. Others are seeing it also. So they too will realize you're not supposed to speak. More than them, you'll realize you're not supposed to speak. Now can we imagine... A person coming from that position in society, he's been the one bark, well, not barking necessarily, so he's the one just giving instructions all the time, he's the one that people have to keep asking for permission, he's the one telling others, please keep quiet. Now he has to keep quiet, but he accepted that because he came there for that purpose. He said, Mita Dije, Mita Dije, please annihilate me, I've come to be annihilated. So he did that. And he then, he's explaining thereafter, that despite all these things also, I had to keep a hanky in my hand, and every now and then I'm stuffing that hanky in my mouth, because still something is coming out. Spontane, without even wanting to say something, because that was, everything would just be on the spur of the moment he would compose something. But then he undertook that. Now this was an annihilation happening. And it happened to the point. Now, he was coming from a circular background. But he annihilated himself in this way. And as a result of this annihilation, and he grew in that manner, the time came, after Hazrat Mashavadi Tanvi Rahmatullah passed away, they were giants of the time. Great ulama, Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahib Rahmatullah who was the Grand Mufti of Pakistan of his time. And Hazrat... Uh, Mawla Abdul Ghani Pulpuri Rahmatullah a great giant of his time. All these were senior ulama. 
after the Tanwi Rahmatullahi passed away, they were all his khulafa. But they didn't feel uh, that now that we are already given ijazat and khilafat, so what need do we have to now, after the Tanwi has now passed on, to now turn to anybody else? They still felt the need to be linked somewhere. And who they turned to? The Khaja Sahib who had come from a circular background. They made him their sheikh. These were the giants of the ulama of the time. But when he annihilated himself in this manner, he reached that peak that they chose him as their sheikh. Now where this came from? It came from that annihilation. This doesn't just come from thinking, from just wishing. It comes from an active effort. It comes from a person has presented himself and has wanted that annihilation. Then in time this annihilation is acquired when he's accepted whatever the processes are, whatever the injections are, sometimes it requires an operation, he's ready for the operation, whatever is required, he's ready for it. And he goes through it, he goes through it wholeheartedly, then this annihilation used to be achieved. And then this is the reaction of Shah Ismail Shaheed, that the person in the midst of that gathering is saying to him, you are illegitimate, and without even his tone changing, Tell the person you are mistaken, go and verify it. There's the witnesses in certain places who were present in my parents' nikah. So this is, now the topic we started off was this uncontrolled anger, but this is the root. To the extent that this root has been attended to, this anger will be under control, and this anger will only be for what Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. It won't be in a way that will hurt somebody unnecessarily, or cause an oppression to anybody, or this un controlled anger just now doing things and saying things which are hurtful, which are deriding, which are humiliating, insulting, this will never happen. When it will never happen? When this annihilation has happened first. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala make our complete Islam tazkiyah and cleanse us of all the negative qualities and bless us with all the beautiful qualities. Wa